This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. Hopefully, your favorite Chelsea podcast, meeting you somewhere in the moment of this holiday season where you've had a chance to relax a little bit after Chelsea won against uh, one opponent, but not the other, as we projected in our preview pods here. But Sam, we're back. We're having a conversation. We're getting involved with the listeners, and we're trying to find the path forward that Chelsea might take to take all six points on offer away from Luton Town this season. Again, we beat them earlier in the season, but it is a much different side. And as we get into this match preview, we're going to have to go over how different they are. But before we do that, how's how are the holidays treating you? Are you finding joy outside of football at the moment? Uh, thank you so much, Dan. It's actually uh, been a nice time for me personally. Uh, just to get away from from where I usually am, go somewhere down south and and experience actual winter. So I'm enjoying some family time and just de-stressing, detoxing. Um, unfortunately, cannot get away from football because the moment I do that, uh, there's double the work catching up. So and I enjoy it. So I don't want to be away from football, but. Uh, yeah, good results certainly make that easier to do. So I'm I'm hoping that we continue the good uh, momentum that we have from the last game against Palace and push forward and get some very, very important points before the year ends. It would be the last opportunity, opportunity Pochettino men have a chance to pick up points before the end of the year and wrap the calendar year fixture table a little bit better than the way it has gone over the first part, middle part, and some of the final part of the year. But we're going to talk about what Luton have been up to in the recent run of matches, any new injuries that they have had to their side, talk about maybe a few of the updates to their style of play because they are a different side than they were when we faced them earlier in the season how Pochettino might go after them given what we saw against Crystal Palace the players who are or are not available and what some of our predictions might be from a lineup and score perspective but before you do that we just want to always say thank you to the wonderful people supporting the podcast you can do so with five-star reviews on apple Podcasts and spotify always appreciate it always helps people find the podcast and look january is going to be busy with transfer news so we're going to want to make sure that people can help find the podcast and you can do that with those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also let people know or subscribe yourself on YouTube and hit the bell icon to get notified when we drop a new video. Like those, leave comments. We always appreciate those as well and do read them. And you can sign up for Sam's wonderful newsletter, The London is Blue Dispatch. Comes out every week. Great opportunity to get involved and increase that education with a little bit. I would say it's edutainment educational entertainment that sam puts out in that newsletter and it's free so you can sign up link in the description and in our show notes and then you also join in our wonderful conversation with discord community we've got going on a couple bucks a month but helps support the podcast so it's a nice little exchange we got on offer there but that's it we're gonna jump into it and look luton not bottom of the premier league like many maybe even some of us thought they might be at the beginning part of this season, their current record is 4-3-11, and 11, 15 points in total, 18th in the Premier League. Their home record, 2-2-5, two, two, and five, with 8 points away record, 2-1-6, 7 points. They have scored 
probably more surprising, 21 goals. And their goals against are currently at 34. So the, the difference of negative 13, maybe not unsurprising, but I feel like I'm actually more surprised that they're getting over a goal a game in the Premier League with this promotion that they've had, with some of the injury issues that they've had as well, Sam. I think that that is probably the most surprising thing to me is that they have found a way to score. They found a way to earn points. It hasn't always been pretty. And you could actually argue that they maybe deserve more than they've earned so far. A couple of those losses or draws came at the very dying moments in some of those matches there. I mean, if we remember, Luton could have taken on Liverpool. They could have drawn with Man United. Like, there were some really tight results within here. Yeah, I remember that uh, we were supposed to to record the Luton board on the same day as the Crystal Palace board, and I'm glad that that was pushed back because um, this season sort of taken a turn, like a massive, massive turn um, after, like, when we talked last time on the board. It's been an emotional journey for them. Yeah, it's it's been an emotional journey for them in terms of, uh, we all know what happened to Tom Lockyer. Um, he basically collapsed on the pitch uh, during the game against Bournemouth and the game had to be postponed. And what was extremely worrying was that it was the second time that it happened after he collapsed um, in the playoff final um, back in May. So he had a cardiac arrest there. And... Um, there's an there's a lovely lovely article by the Athletic by Jacob Whitehead, um, who wrote about you know seven days and then just after two minutes of the entire emotional journey that was there in terms of how Luton was as a club, um, and and how it galvanized them after after a truly difficult time processing that their captain had gone off and you know. Obviously, you see it once, but if it happens twice, then then you fear the worst. And the article talks about just how much of resilience had to be taken into account. Individual players were basically given, you know, counselling. Um, you know, mental health professionals were got in because it's such a traumatic thing to see on on a football field. But they've used that energy, and they've used the nature of their their captain. And then what a character he is in terms of just taking all of that and, and channeling it into positive performances. And um, when we talked last, they had zero clean sheets. And the next game against Newcastle, they managed the first one. And uh, then after Sheffield United, they came back from 2-1 down and, and won 3-2. So, you know, they've picked up as many wins in the last two games um, as they had in you know, the entire season combined before it. So it just looks like they're they're on the up and uh, they look motivated, they look inspired. So going to be a tough game. Like like you mentioned, you know, when we face them earlier in the season can be overwhelming when a, when a club like that comes up to the Premier League and gets a taste of the big time and they realise, wow, that's the jump between the Championship and the Premier League. You know, they came to us at Stamford Bridge with a, with a 5-3-2, extremely defensive um, went with two target men up top, tried to to create damage, but nothing worked. And um, it's been vastly different, you know, teams for both uh, squads right now. It's in terms of injuries, in terms of how both teams have now bifurcated and gone and found found their best eleven. So it'll be interesting to see how we match up now this time. And um, yeah, to to just add to it, I think it's not going to be an easy game. You know, a lot of people think, oh, our 18th in the table, 
going to take three points, but I genuinely think this is going to be a, a, a tough, tough game, far tougher than people envision. Well, something that people always enjoy hearing is that the match is going to be more difficult than we would look at. I think it, what's maybe interesting is a couple of these results, too, in terms of the ability to punch up. I mean, I know the joke is that we broke Newcastle given how their form has been, but they did beat Newcastle one nothing. You know, if they did not gift, you know, I mean, they, they did get gifts in the Sheffield United match, but they won that pretty, I would say, without too much fuss. And then, you know, Man City struggled with them, beating them only 2-1. So I do think that they are capable of going the distance. They're capable of at least not going down without a fight, I think would be the fair way to frame it, Sam, is that ultimately they are probably more likely than others given the squad makeup that they have to potentially get relegated in the season. But they're at least scrappy enough that if they were to stay up at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they could wrestle out of the the group that they're in. I don't know if they would overtake Nottingham Forest, but you know Everton have obviously pushed up and you know could be higher if their points deduction gets removed. I mean, I don't know who maybe would fall down. They're in a tricky spot, I think, but they're at least looking competitive in the way that they're playing. You you definitely need a catalyst when you're in a relegation dogfight. And Everton weren't there, but the moment... Their form was patchy, to, to say the, the least. But the moment they got that deduction, you know, they went on this run of just smacking Newcastle. And you could tell that that was the, the galvanizing factor that they required. And when you look at Luton, I think... We've been with the Tom Lockyer situation and um, not just that, but in terms of maybe just understanding that they can go up against the big boys and not take a beating. You know, they've they've had performances where I think they can look back at it and say, you know, this was an incredible performance. So against the big boys, you know, against Luton, against Liverpool at home, they drew 1-1. Newcastle, they managed to beat. Arsenal were extremely lucky to come away with uh, with three points. They were down and and they got an equalizer and then the winner in in stoppage time so that and then like you mentioned man city only escaped with a with a 2-1 win so it's it's a tough place to go and it's a side that wants to fight and they've got stability they've got a manager who's got them up with an identity which has largely remained the same from the championship so that helps too you know there's there's i think a stable base and as and when they get used to the Premier League and, and its challenges and, and how to approach team, I think anything can happen. I think, you know, they're at a position where they can make a push in the second half of the season and actually get away from it. Uh, you look at Nottingham Forest, managers changed, a lot of things going wrong. So you never know who's going to go down. So it does look like they have the ingredients required to to pull through. So let's not hope that we can contribute to that cause. and. Uh, Hope that they get them from from somewhere else. Oh uh, yes, the gift giving season from Chelsea is hopefully over in the same way that it is within the calendar year. So let's hope that we are very much out of our gift giving ways in this match. But we're going to take our very first break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk all about how their style of play has continued to evolve. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
All right, chess fans, we're back with another partnership through the end of the year. We got NordVPN coming at you to make sure you are safe and you're able to watch Chelsea no matter where you are traveling during the holiday season. A lot of you know I just got back from Costa Rica from Thanksgiving with the family. And guess what? I used a VPN to watch Chelsea while I was traveling. Uh, I was able to watch it on Peacock, no problems at all. So if you're traveling out of the country this holiday season, make sure to get NordVPN so you don't miss uh, when we play Wolves on the 24th, when we play again after Boxing Day, and again, Again, before the end of the year, there are tons of matches coming up. You don't want to miss a single one. The other thing to think about, are you want to see, watch match of the day? Are you trying to see the BBC coverage, Sky coverage? You can do it with over 5,000 servers from NordVPN. So if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you're going to go ahead and pick the plan that's right for you. And we're going to give you four extra months for being a fan of London is blue. That's right. You get an extra four months hanging out with us. We absolutely appreciate you checking them out. Now, if you aren't using a VPN, hey, I hate to break it to you. You're the only one. Not only do they keep you secure and all your information is encrypted, no more IP address tracking. The other thing is they've doubled down and they've added threat protection feature. So say goodbye to intrusive website ads, malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Go to nordvpn.com for London is blue. Try it. Huge holiday deal. There's no risk. You get a 30-day money-back guarantee with NordVPN. That's how much they believe in the product. Support our sponsor, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. Go watch match today. Go watch Chelsea if you're traveling. Never going to have to worry about being tracked on the internet again. Link in the description. You know what to do. All right, Sam. So the crossing champions, Luton, are back, and we are going to be going up against them. I mean, they definitely have alternated a little, but I think some of the areas where we're going to be concerned is the set pieces, the dead ball opportunity, the crosses into the box against a defense that is only recently, a.k.a. one game shown a half where we felt maybe very good about our ability to block and shut things down. So where are Luton looking to hurt us and, and how are their style of play do that? Like um, I mentioned earlier on in the preview, I think they've started off with a certain vision in mind and they've had to improvise and settle on something else. So when they came up against us, they have two target men and both of them tend to do very well when they're scoring. So um, just wanted to put both of them up, up top in, in various systems. So they tried a, a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 and, and they tried a 4-4-2 to get both those guys in and like you mentioned crossing champions so they had good wide men and good full backs who were able to get into crossing positions and just relentlessly deliver into the box so that was how they started but they realized that you know they couldn't afford to get two center forwards up front they needed a little bit of industry in midfield they needed to be more solid because it was just too easy to play through them so they had to add an extra midfielder and uh They've gone basically from, you know, 4-4-2 or 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3. And that's been, I think, their transformative change where it's now become their default blueprint. They play the 3-4-3 and it's, I would say, more of a 3-4-2-1. So the, the wingers are actually what Tuchel calls half-wingers. They're just behind the center forward. So they're very narrow. They're in the half spaces. So what they're play style is essentially it's very functional it's very efficient i would say they've got the second highest crosses in the premier league this season and when you look at their 
forwards, like I mentioned. So Clinton Morris and Elijah Adebayo, both of them very good at knocking down. Adebayo has, has been extremely impressive for me. He's, I think, 192 centimeters tall. And for a guy that size, he's got good feet. He's able to knock down second balls and bring other people into play. He's a nuisance inside the box. So the idea is to just try and get him as much service as possible. And Luton are second for key passes from crosses and corners after Liverpool, which is quite a surprising statistic. The game plan is just that. Try to find your centre forward, you know, in, in those positions. But I think somewhere down the line, they realised that uh, two forwards was proving a bit too much. And they wanted to add an extra body um, behind them. So they actually went to a 3-4-3. And the 3-4-3 is not with two wingers, but what Tuchel calls the half-wingers, which is two attacking midfielders narrow behind the centre-forward. And what Luton do is they just try to go direct to Adebayo, who's a very impressive. I would say I've watched him play quite a lot and I've enjoyed watching him. He's um, 192 centimetres, I think. And for a big man, he's got nimble feet. He's able to knock down second balls. He's able to bring down... Uh, bring players behind him into play and and basically link up quite a, a risky strategy to to execute in the Premier League. So he does it very well. He's a nuisance in the box as well. So um, they've basically got you know a, a fetish for just crossing as much as possible or going going long with direct balls. So that's going to be the game plan. Um, even if you look at their goalkeeper manages to launch the most amount of goal kicks and um, most amount of passes compared to any other goalkeeper in the Premier League. So it's all about just going quick, going long, not playing around and it just, you know, being functional, being essential. Um, the wing backs, I would say, are their creative threats. So Alfie Doughty is uh, the wing back who's got the more attacking role. He's mostly played on the left in the championship, but on times in the Premier League, he's also played on the right-hand side. He's the leading assist provider with three, and he also opened his scoring account in the last game um, where he managed to nutmeg the goalkeeper uh, after dribbling into the box. So he's opened his account. Uh, on the other flank, they've used uh, a couple of other options. So, I mean, Doughty's played on the right. Um, Kabore has played on the right. And he's a strong off-the-ball runner and also tied for the most big chances created for Luton with four. And just to give you a picture of how essential the wing-backs are, so Kabore and and Doughty together have sort of created seven big chances, which is one-fourth of their entire team's total. And, um, you know, I think what's sort of interesting about them is that the wingers or the attacking midfielders and the wing-backs interchange very fluently. So you will often see the wing-back come narrow and become an attacker. And you'll see Townsend, you know, maybe drift wide. You'll see Jacob Brown on the other flank drift wide and let um, Giles come in. But it usually happens on the right-hand side because uh, it's more fluid there. So that's something that tends to be good for them because it confuses the opposition fullback. And I think that's where the, the biggest threat is going to come. So if you have to deal with it, it's basically trying to stop Alfie Doughty and figure out how to, to cut off the supply line to Adebayo when we basically go on Townsend. You know, how to stop him from crossing, from dribbling into the box. That's going to be the, the main issue for us to solve. Uh, in possession, game is 
very straightforward. Um, they've, like I mentioned, very direct, try to, to be aggressive. But um, in terms of balance in midfield, they've got one midfielder who pushes up, who's got more attacking responsibilities, which is Ross Barkley. I should add, he's in very good form. He looks every bit the player that, that we tried to buy from, from Everton. Um, I saw his game uh, against Sheffield United and he was ridiculous. He was, uh, I think he should, he could have had a hat-trick if he wanted to. Uh, he smacked the, the post from about 30 yards out with, with an absolutely beautiful shot. Uh, he had one more which fizzed narrowly wide. So he's taking shots from, from distance. He's pulling off through balls with the outside of his foot and, and finding people running in behind. So he's going to be the more dangerous of the central midfielders. The other CM is basically somebody who screens the, the back three and provides them protection and rest defense. Uh, that one's Mpanzu or uh, you've got Lokonga and, and Nakamba, but Nakamba is out with, with an injury long term, so he's not going to feature. Lokonga played last game and did very well against Sheffield United, so I expect him to start uh, against us. But it's it's basically trying to make sure that they have enough bodies in attack and, and one of those bodies comes from Ross Barkley making late runs into the box, which he really, really likes. Um, they're also very aggressive, you know, all across the pitch. I think they, I wouldn't say it's fair to say that they press, it's more like they chase. So a lot of the times you'll see Adebayo run after somebody while none of the other guys are backing him up. And he just runs for the sake of it. And sometimes it just comes off as, as bizarre because you're used to seeing well-coordinated presses in the Premier League, but Luton just like to to run behind you. It's it's like a pack of hounds finding something and, and there's no coordination. It's just um, industry and, and just purpose. That's about it. So you'll often see them running and trying to close you down. And sometimes that can work in their favor. Sometimes it can go against them. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, Andros Townsend, you know, one of those wingers enjoying a good season. Uh, he's also developed his weaker foot shot from distance. So that's something to watch when he comes on his right side. Um, one, one, two, definitely keep an eye on. But that's essentially the game plan. And out of possession, they will go five, two, three. And even if they think they want to go more defensive, then 5-4-1 or even 6-3-1 like they did against Manchester City. Um, if, I, if I talk about the City game in particular, very organized, very stubborn. And uh, they trouble the big guys. They trouble them with good organization, with fighting for each other, making sure that they're denying any kind of space. They've got three centre-backs. Obviously, if you try to put something in the box, it's going to be a little tough to figure out how to get in and then penetrate them very effectively. So that's the issue. I think it's a side that is aggressive with players who want to win the ball, who are very good and very direct. And um, yeah, the threat could come from anywhere. It's just um, to be kind, I would say that it's an interesting outfit to come up against, but uh, yeah, a winnable game, a winnable game, but they've also got a good home record against the big side. So that's also a hindering factor. So I look at this game, I look at our form and I think we should be winning 100%. But um, yeah, like you mentioned at the beginning of this um, preview that, you know, one of their top things is, is 
that there's strong on set pieces and everybody knows how bad we are. So just to give you uh, an idea, almost half of their goals, almost half of their goals have come uh, from set pieces. So open play, they've got 11 goals and from corners and, and free kicks, they've got eight. Um, so it'll be an interesting time when, when we concede those corners and to see how we deal with them. But uh, it only takes one for us to be under pressure. So I think it's going to be an interesting game then. Um, hopefully we improve our set-piece game and, uh, you know, keep that clean sheet, that elusive clean sheet. Well, that would be ideal if we could make that happen. I think what we want to make sure people are aware of, though, is that they they are not necessarily a perfect side. And I think that there are ways that we take advantage of them. I do think that, you know, we've seen them struggle to keep clean sheets. We've seen them struggle with the depth of the squad, which means that they seemingly tend to run out of gas or are running on fumes later into the match. Uh, now, we also have a very depleted side, so maybe we can't take full advantage or exploit that entirely, but it does feel like there are ways to get at this Luton side and maybe a little differently than how we had to get at them or were able to get at them in our last match. Yeah, definitely. I think those are some important points that you've raised. Um, in terms of exploiting them, I think there are a lot of ways. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't be where you are in the table. So obviously the team, when you look at their goal score, they're tied for the second fewest goals um, scored. And they're also tied second for the shots attempted. So uh, in terms of attacking output, not good. They've also got the third worst big chances created with just 27. And they've beaten their opponents on expected goals only four times. Although I should add that against Newcastle, they managed to tie with 1.4 for each. But like you mentioned, up until that Newcastle game, uh, they were only one of two sides to not have a single clean sheet. So Brighton was the other one, surprisingly. But now they have that clean sheet. And uh, it's come at an inopportune time. So um, they will be confident and then hopefully not for too long. And the team are also third in terms of average distance from where they allow shots, which is around 15.7 yards. So, you know, they allow dangerous shots. And um, the second worst with 17 shots conceded per 90, which is an incredibly, incredibly high number. I should also add the team's average 1.95 non-penalty expected goals against them, which is the highest in the Premier League. So they do offer you a lot of shots. And they do offer you a lot of dangerous shots, which is, you know, a recipe for disaster. One thing that stuck out for me when I've been watching their games is their quality of box defending. I think it's it's been very poor and it's probably the one primary factor why they concede so many goals. They don't communicate. I think the back three, Bell, um, uh, can be exploited. I don't, I don't think the three guys behind talk to each other. Osho, for example, is supposed to be, you know, the organizer as the as the central center back. But a lot of the times when they get into situations, like, for example, attacking transitions, when they lose the ball in their own half, the decision-making can be clumsy. It looks like three different guys playing three different games rather than one defensive unit responding to a crisis. And... And that's been very noteworthy on multiple occasions. You know, people freezing up, um, not checking who's marking who, in bad clearances, bad attempts to to get to the second ball. Um, 
just you know lapses of concentration i think that's the biggest biggest issue so i think we should and we should definitely be trying to challenge that as much as possible um i would also say like i mentioned in, in the earlier part that aggression can be counterintuitive so they try to to close you down they will push um i also mentioned that the central midfielder the more attacking central midfielder you'll also see barkley trying to to get stuck in and and he likes that he likes that part of the game where he wants to get into tackles and and win the ball back but that can leave the rest of the team a little disjointed because their wing backs are also high up the pitch they like pushing up so that leaves them with like three center backs and the other midfielder uh, with with Barkley trying to protect against defensive transitions and i think that's where they're the most vulnerable even the just the balance of the synergy between those two central midfielders despite it being a back three it's just bad for distances it's bad for pressing it's bad for recovery a lot of the times um you see both midfielders on the same line so that's tactical harakiri uh, and and it can it can the one pass basically gets you from your own box to running at their back three in no time at all so um that's something that we should definitely be looking at we're good at transitions and there will be opportunities to hit them on the break very quickly i think that's something that we should keep an eye on and uh, i think the last thing that i would say is like you mentioned maybe this is owing to the fact that they've used the least amount of players i think in the premier league tied uh, with 23 and um, just the fact that they run a lot and then run at high distances a lot because they're pressing uh, i mean chasing and they're also doing transitions and running down the flanks off the ball runs a lot of that industry wears them out and and takes a lot out of the gas tank so 27 of the 34 goals this season have come um in the second half 20 27 of the 34 goals conceded have come in the second half um and i should also add that they've only had a two goal lead once all season and that was against everton so even if you go 1-0 down it's not the end of the world you know there's every chance that you get your opportunity to equalize and then go on ahead so second half is where i think the damage can be done but uh, you don't want to wait that long i think somebody in the last game on comms said that we are the only team in the premier league that hasn't gone um 1-0 down at at the break which is i think a surprisingly good you know piece of information for us in in a in a dire season so uh, yeah hopefully we can get a goal in the first half and uh, quickly do the damage in the second and and get a few goals to make all our um, scorers happy especially christopher and kuku that would be music to everyone's ears and look we would love to start seeing some balloon goal celebrations but we're going to talk about how pochettino is going to try and get this result across the line and end 2023 better than it started for chelsea so we're going to take our last break when we get back we're going to get into all of that so stay tuned all right sam so coming out of the break the biggest thing that pochettino is going to have to continue to deal with two things one players not being available whether that's due to fitness whether that's due to injury whether that's due to suspension thankfully no new ones from the last game he has never had the complement of players that he would like 
to give us the ultimate starting 11 or the one that maybe we were salivating over when we were looking at how this side could come together in preseason. And number two, the fact that Luton have way more rested players, two extra days of rest before they that they were taking advantage of heading into this match. Now, we did get some forced rest with a couple of the suspensions that we did have, so maybe we do have some players that are better rested for this game, but in general, we are a side who is potentially going to look a little lethargic heading into this match where Luton likely will be just absolutely firing out of the gate. So I think those are probably the two major ones, but you know, what else are you thinking that have uh, that Pochettino may be considering in this match? You're spot on. I think the two extra days for Luton make all the difference. Uh, we were in the same position against Palace. I think they had extra days of rest over us in, in the previous fixture. And luckily, we managed to compete very well. But uh, the one bright spot for us was getting the third central midfielder back in Romeo Lavia. But he's unfortunately picked up a thigh issue. We don't know how serious it is. We will probably come to know perhaps tomorrow when when Poch does his presser. But losing that rotation option, I think, is a, is a big hit. Because you cannot rest Gallagher. You cannot rest Caicedo. Um, just for the simple reason that you can't go with a one midfield pivot, you know, with nobody able to support those options. So it's it's a it's a big dilemma, and um, you don't want to to run the risk of you know Kaiser just coming back from illness and uh, him having to play at short notice after you know a period of recovery. And the same with Gallagher, who's played extended minutes because he's captain, because he's been trusted in the absence of of James and Chilwell and, and obviously he's played a lot of minutes so uh, I think the one that he missed was because of suspension and the rest we've tried to play him as much as possible so I'm not ideal in that midfield department and I think Luton will enjoy a little bit of a physical advantage when we come up against them and, and it suits their style of play so hopefully we can be clever um, I have been looking at you know maybe like a slight change of optics from Poch where we are in the last five games you know possession stats have gone 71 78 78 um, you know 65 or 68 and and we've basically kept more of the ball and when you're able to do that then you're able to conserve a lot more energy you're able to exert a lot more control so hopefully we continue that be smart in the way that we are able to use our gas tank and then go into the new year a little fresh and and hoping to proceed in another cup competition. I think that's that's very very important. And the second, like you said, is I think a nice headache for Poch to have after a long time where he just didn't know or he just didn't know which attackers he should be picking because he didn't have any other options. Uh, there were just Mudrik and Sterling and and Palmer. Those are the three options available to him. And he had the unfortunate, you know, decision to make about whether to play Gallagher or Enzo Fernandez at number ten. Now that you've got Mudrik and Kunku, Madueke, Sterling, and Palmer competing for maybe two or three slots, I think it's it's an excellent header to to have, excellent you know debate to have for him with his coaching staff. Um, Sterling and Palmer, I think, come in purely because they've had rest. Um, Misha had a very good game against Palace so I think there's an interesting dilemma there like do you start Mudrik or do you start Madhu who 
you know, by virtue of earning us the three points, may have deserved a start. But then who do you bench? Oh, that is a tough, tough question. And maybe the one that we should be digging into here. So as we think about that attack, we've seen now that Pochettino is maybe trying to get four attackers on the pitch, particularly against these sides who, you know, if you look at Palace, you look at Wolves, maybe we're going to attempt a little bit more of that low block, be a little bit more compact. Is that the thought that you think he'll continue with that and where he will persevere with Nico Jackson? I know, I think maybe getting some undue criticism for unfortunately the TikTok uh, inspection of his performance when it is a very micro view of the individual misses that look very bad, to be fair to those who would criticize him, but on overall is still a developmental striker in every sense of the word and has done some good, but maybe is getting full marks or trying to be, you know, getting a full term grade on half term work. And that's never going to be good for anyone, uh, especially a, a new to the Premier League striker. And then some combination of, I would imagine, the rested Cole Palmer and Kunku likely getting some more minutes. Maybe he gets 30 minutes and is replacing someone else. And Madaweke, who had a bright cameo, gets an opportunity to start. And maybe Mudrik gets some rest with Sterling coming in, even though people won't necessarily love that after the recent Sterling performance. It does feel like there's going to be some rotation. I don't think Poch is necessarily trying to make us happy with his lineup. He's just trying to make us happy with the results. He's also trying to make his players happy so that they get some rest as well. What's your thought on what configuration he might go with taking all things into consideration, Sam? I think he played his cards. He got the the same attacking four that he had in the preseason game against Newcastle. So it was nice to have a little bit of familiarity there. And I think the first 45 minutes justified the faith that he had. We looked very good. We managed to create four big chances and we fluffed three of them, which is very on brand for Chelsea. Uh, but like you mentioned, I think right now his priority is to try and make sure that none of the guys that we have get injured. So by virtue of that, I think he's just going to, to manage the guys who figured out more than 70, 75 minutes in the Palace game to come off the bench or maybe not have more than 60 minutes from the start. And I think the configuration he goes with is a Sterling on the left, Palmer maybe down the middle, and then on the right-hand side, you have Matuweke. I think that's what he does. Um, again, it's not something that makes us happy, but it does make the squad happy. Um Mudrik probably won't enjoy being out, but he also went off with, you know, holding his ankle after a very bad challenge from, I don't know who it was in the Palace midfield, was it Lerma? But he was on the touchline holding his ankle and, um, you know, maybe Potters is thinking, let's give them a couple of extra days. Let's hope that they come on for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, make sure that their bodies just got the rhythm, but don't have to come on in an intense game state where we're chasing a goal and, you know, with it overexerting. So I think in Kunku, Mudrik come off the bench and um, we have room for hungry players to go at Luton. I think that's what the thinking could be. It might I might necessarily not be right here, but in terms of how well Poch has treated his players coming back from injury, in terms of how he's rotated when he's had the players, I think this is the lineup that he could go with. 
I, I would love to know your thoughts on this as well. Oh, I think I'm right there with you. I think my consideration is shifting towards the back as well with some of the rotations. So if we take that attacking, you know, uh, the four musketeers rather in, in our attack, and then we kind of move back and start looking at the rest of the lineup, I, I do think with Enzo being out, it will continue to be a Gallagher and Caicedo show as much as maybe they would like some rest. I mean, we now have Cole Gallagher up with um, Thiago Silva as the you know two most minutes contributed in this Premier League season for Chelsea, which uh, I don't know if that was necessarily in anyone's consideration when we talked about the fact that, oh, We've brought in Caicedo, we brought in Lavia, we brought in, uh, en- we brought in Enzo earlier, and so now we have a midfield trio that we're going to continue to uh, to rely upon. But uh, Cole Ga- uh, Connor Gallagher said, "Nope, not my issue. I'm going to make sure that I am there to absorb all of them minutes." But I think it is the back four that may be most interesting. I do think Malagusto gets another opportunity to play after looking extremely impressive. I would imagine that Thiago Silva starts after getting the sub in along with, I'm going to guess, Disasi. And it feels weird, but maybe it's it's Levi Colwell again, who didn't necessarily have the best game and is still kind of playing out of position. But I feel like Batty Ashiel would be the one that might gets, might get the rest here after a couple of you know, individual gaffes that have either contributed to a goal uh, by itself or have been a part of the, I would say, the comedy of errors that usually leads up to a Chelsea goal. But that is my assumption on what we might see rolled out for uh, a, a defensive line. Yeah, I have, I have some interesting thoughts here because um, in the game against Palace, we we all know that you know Olise was as having the most amount of influence. So what Bosch did in the second half was move Gusto to the left hand side and basically left uh, Disasi to take care of whoever was on the left hand side. So I think when you look at their more dangerous side, it is the right side. And if you don't want to leave Colville against you know somebody like Olise. And in this case, against somebody like in Alfie Doughty and Andros Townsend, I don't know if the solution would be what he does with Gugurea and and put him at right back and and basically move Gusto to left back, play Disasi on the right hand side, and go to centre backs. Like you said, Silva was rested, so there's every opportunity that he comes in, and maybe this is the first time that Levi actually gets to play as. You know, as a left centre-back, a pure left centre-back. Um, and like you mentioned, Badia Shiel has not had the best of games after he gifted that goal to Callum Wilson. So maybe the right time to take him away from the firing line. So it lines up for me. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gusto start at, at left-back. And, um, you know, again, I fear for him because he's come back from an injury, but we simply don't have any other full-backs. So, yeah. I don't see how how else we we basically fix that. I am also worried about central midfield. I am extremely worried about uh, Gallagher. Is I mean he's got a third lung. He's he's basically you know Kante's shadow at this point. Uh, Kaisero is also great, but again just coming back from illness. And obviously I worry about <coughs> Jackson and Breuer. I, I don't think Breuer has been good enough 
but I will also give him that amount of grace because he's come back from an extremely tough injury and it's never, never easy to recover from it. So uh, that, but like we haven't been able to rotate Jackson out as much as we'd like with the second option. And not that Jackson's, you know, deserved that kind of a rest. I think at this point in time, Poch is just saying, I'm going to keep you on for as long as possible. Hope you get <clears throat> double-digit goals as, as many as possible and, and prove the fan base that you can be the starting forward come next season. So I think those are little worries, but uh, I think the defense might shift a little bit to to factor for the threat that Luton provide. Well, and we are going to get a bit of a break between this game and the next one for the first time in a long time because it's going from the Luton match on December 30th and then the next match takes place in the calendar year 2024 on Saturday, January 6th when Chelsea will take on Preston. And then we've got matches, a little tight bit of matches there before a break, uh, the winter break for the Premier League the Middlesbrough match in the League Cup semifinal, and then our Fulham match. And we know that uh, yeah, we will lose Nico Jackson to AFCON in January as well as he plays for uh, Senegal, and uh, they are the presumptive favorites in that tournament. But you never know. He might have a early exit and return to us sooner rather than at the very end of the tournament. But you would imagine that with the view that there will be a weak between this match and the next one that Pochettino will be asking his players who are able to commit to playing and being involved in this match, if they can give just a little extra to try to grind out a result, that this would be the match to try to do it in, particularly as Chelsea would like to and could go ninth if things fall their way and actually be truly in the top half of the table and not in the smack dab middle of it, Sam. And I think... They're going to maybe want, yeah, from a pride perspective, I feel like some of the players and the players would want that as well. It is a kind of bit of a badge of honor in terms of how we'd like to end this year. I think um, it's just, you know, our fortune that we had a fixture list going Preston North End, Middlesbrough, Fulham, Middlesbrough, and Jackson is probably not there for any of those games when you wanted him to, you know, just add to his goal tally, maybe get to 15 and from there, he could, you know, get those bragging rights saying, look, you know, I've got I've got the sensational goal tally that everyone wanted me to have. But uh, yeah, I think, like you mentioned, if there's one game that you need to push for and get past it, I think it's this one. Then you have, you know, well-spaced out games where Poch can maybe do a little bit of work behind the scenes and figure out what he wants to do with Nkunku coming back, hopefully Lavia coming back, we'll have... Sure. Hopefully, I'm guessing Trev Chalaba, um, either West Bofana, Ben Chilwell is also on the grass, but obviously will take a little longer. But if those three to four players come back and then we have two more starters um, back to start, I think it could be massive for the second half of the season. So Poch has to be smart. He has to manage minutes. He has to manage fatigue and, and hope that, you know, the injury crisis just doesn't become a rolling thing. You know, try to avoid what you can and punish them in the way that we know we can punish them. I think the game plan here is simple, Dan. I don't want to like go into tactics and stuff and, and say this formation, that formation, block out the white guys, make sure that they don't get any service, try to like make sure that they don't get opportunities to cross from wide, make sure that you have 
some kind of a, a, a plan to to cut out any supply to Adebayo and, and basically mop up any second balls that he tries to create. And you've blunted most of their threat. If you take care of the wingbacks, their creativity is gone. If you take care of the striker, most of their goals are gone. And when you are in that position, you can hurt them. You can cause a lot of damage to their backline. But you have to take care of the threat first. Well, with all of that said, what do we think? Will Chelsea, will Pochettino, will the players be able to put a smile on our faces before the end of the year? Will it be a win, a draw, or a loss? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, okay, the optimist in me because it's the year's ending and, and I'm feeling good. And I think having seen enough of Luton's games, I think it could be 2-0 for us, I think. Um, but I also think it could easily be 1-1, just going by how good they've been at home. So um, heart says 2-0, but head says 1-1. Now, what about you? Oh, I think it's a... It's likely the 2-1 type of scenario where we are able to manufacture our win, we are able to get it done, but Luton continue to be the pesky gnat that they are and absolutely are annoying to no end. So, yeah, I don't think this will necessarily be the calmest way to spend your Saturday, but hopefully at the end of it we are all very happy with Chelsea's end of the year form rounding into it. Fit players coming back to full fitness. Pochettino getting his men to perform exactly as he's hoping. And, you know, his Blues in, enjoying maybe an opportunity to laugh at other teams. Because right now it's very hard to, uh, you know, cast any aspersions elsewhere because we have our own problems to solve. But that's going to do it for this one. Love to hear your thoughts, your comments. Leave them in the comments on youtube hit us up on social join our wonderful community discord and get involved in the conversation there but that is going to do it for this it's the last preview that we're doing for this year sam we've got plenty more heading into january for matches and both player previews as well we're going to be taking a look at some of the uh, players that Chelsea might be considering when it comes to the market to reinforce the side, to potentially claw our way up into a European spot or to push us over the line in one of our cup competitions. But uh, I have enjoyed doing these previews with you immensely this year. It's been so great to have you as a part of our London is Blue family. And I'm looking forward to a very wonderful and even better 2024. Thank you and the rest of the Londoners Blue family for just welcoming me with open arms. We started off with scouting pods and we are doing previews now. So, you know, whatever we tend to do and get our, our hands in whichever pie, it's, you know, everybody's been extremely generous with their time. And the amount of feedback, you know, I receive, the warmth, the encouragement is is unparalleled. So I consider myself extremely fortunate to to be here with you guys and and i hope that i can keep doing justice and uh, add more value and, and hopefully the next year you know i can keep on improving so fingers crossed and and wishing all of you the the absolute best of of what life has to provide i know the holidays can be tough for a lot of people uh, so my love to all of you and you know if there's anything you can always reach out to any of us and, and we'll always be here for you so you know, take care and all the love and light. 
That is such a fine way to end it. And from Sam, from myself, from everyone else involved in our wonderful London is Blue community, from our guests to our hosts to our behind-the-scenes individuals who help get this out, this is the very last episode of 2023. We will be back on January 1st with a match review of the Luton match where we are hopefully celebrating a Chelsea win. But that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, stay safe, stay well, stay ultra-safe on new year's eve if you're getting into any festivities hopefully you enjoy your time with friends family and loved one but until next time you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high